sometimes I have to remind myself. So, <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Sorry it's been a little bit late this year. This is Politic Boom. My name is Kevin Ham. Today, our guest is Nick Schwaterer. And Nick, you're from St. Regis and House District 14, correct? Uh, that's right. Or, you know, I kind of self-identify both with St. Regis and Superior. One oh. was high school. One I live and work a bit more in. Oh, cool. Uh, so... Classic politician trying to gain ownership of multiple communities. So, well, cool. Welcome to the show. Um, you're actually our first guest of 2013. Oh, God, All right, I can't believe what year it is. The Kumbaya <laughs> session. That's what we'll call it, right? <laughs> sure. And uh, the, obviously, the legislative session has started. Uh, how's it going? You know, it's 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 going pretty good down there. Um, we are only on day 11, and I see the bills starting to kind of come up, but kind of uh, the vibe we have in the House. That's what I can kind of speak to. Um, I've heard the word kumbaya a lot. You know, it's pretty traditional for the first few cleanup bills to be a lot of 100 to zeros, a lot of fly-through committees. But even so, I think everybody is really working on the work-together vibe uh across the aisle work we know you know there's new leadership new governor there's there's a good feeling in the house and and i think the people of montana want us to be able to work together and do what we got to do down there without making it divisive so good feelings well that's good that's certainly a better uh outlook than we had last year yeah i'm absolutely when you combine last year and then you combine the just this year's campaign cycle all together Everybody's kind of just, I think, worn out and ready just to work, and the games need to stop. I mean, you, you ask me on day 90, but right now, it's still we're still going strong 10% through the session. Or... I will take you up on that. <laughs> the end of the session will be another episode with Nick, who will be limping in on a cast, <laughs> maybe be using a wheelchair. <laughs> there you go. So what made you decide to run? Well, there's kind of a, a, a long journey in history building up to to getting to this point. And I'll, I'll kind of go through my, even though I'm very young, I'll get, I'll give you my brief life story, which I think ties in to my decision to run. Sure. If that's fine. Um, you know, I was, I was always big on my community, always really involved. You know, one of those kids that when they graduated high school were really disgusting when they listed all the stuff that they were involved in. And, uh, um, we hate you. <laughs> you know what I mean? At the ceremony, like he was four years and four years, but um, he was in four H. Oh yeah, guy. nine years four H. You got it, ambassador mm-hmm. and all that. Um, and and uh, you know, it's and I boy state and all those other things. <laughs> well, and, and I I did community journalism, uh, starting well, you know, unpaid when I was a student, but then paid when I was when I graduated from 06 to 2010 for my county paper. We were really fortunate for a good while in Mineral County, county of 3000 to have two print newspapers every week and it, it was uh i worked for one of them and we had this fun faux competition trying to scoop each other is is pretty neat but that gave me a great opportunity to get in to the community even further see what the issues were i'd be reporting on everything from wildfires that'd come up uh commissioner meetings uh court hearings a lady who won a quilt award so pretty much the full gamut and uh uh, wrote in policy for a bit from 2008 to 2012. Uh, some folks might know the Montana Policy Institute. I didn't do any of the the heavy lifting, but they they did have me on on web kind of correspondence covering stories. So I mean, this is probably the third or fourth session I've had some sort of uh, involvement with. Um, in 2005, I actually 
I'm going to to let a drop a big secret on this program right now. In 2005, I paged in the session for the gentleman who's now the head of the Democrat Party, Jim Elliott. So (laughs) if the party needs ammunition, (laughs) but um, and I, I so but basically the recent wrapping up to it is I was just finishing my degree. I studied law and business in Plymouth, England. Um, and the, in the 2011 session, I, I worked as an aide during my break for Representative Hendrick for a week. And there's kind of a discussion starting to happen. Hendrick was terming out. I was going to be wrapping up my degree. I'd had, you know, this journalism and community aspect for quite a while. I was coming home and, you know, had, had a lot of thoughts, talked to a lot of mentors and decided to run and thought it would be a good chance to try and step up and help the community. And, Boy, it's been a fun process. And it's great to be here, by the way. I just wanna I wanna take two seconds to give a shout out to Politic Tick Boom mm. on the first um program of the this year, the session. Uh I'm a junkie for a lot of Montana political stuff. I read the blogs, both sides, every day if I can for years now. And and, and the newspapers and you get kind of a feel for the dialogue. And Twitter, of course, and we'll get to that in a sec. But I really like how you seem to be able to bring in folks from a wide spectrum and just talk about who they are. And it's it's definitely got its own niche. It's different from what a lot of the blogs and whatnot you see are, which are just tend to be more divisive issue, rabble rousing. But this is well, I mean, the, the guy who sits behind me, Mike Miller, he was on here. I've known him for a while. I learned more about him listening to this program than I did just from knowing him, you know, in the legislature. So I, <laughs> well, that may that may say more about Mike actually. You know, <laughs> he he does, like yeah, he doesn't really talk about his life, does he? So. No, and and I thank you for that. Part of the reason that I did the show is because of the last session. It was such a divisive mess, but most of it comes from, you know. Everybody was angry about different things in their life, and this is on both sides. And nobody was willing to go and meet the other side as people. They just saw them as opponents. And yeah. I think that does us a huge disservice as Montanans. So. Absolutely. And I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's really, I'm trying desperately hard to keep the good vibes going because there's, you know, I've had to throw out a no vote or two. And it's kind of scary, especially when somebody's carrying the bill that you would like the person and you don't want to start this divisiveness. So I've been trying to reach out even more. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm not the only one saying, you know, hey, I'm going to vote no on the bill today. I don't hate you or anything. It's just <laughs> here's why. And they're like, oh, it's OK. And, you know, us freshmen, <laughs> the veterans get it. They don't take a lot of things personal. But the freshmen, there's 40 of us. We don't know how this game works. We're trying to figure it out. And well, so, there's 40 freshmen, and then how many of them are just on their second session? Absolutely. I think we only have a couple fourth-termers yeah, so. and a couple third-termers. So you're right. I mean, we're, we have a huge turnover because any, even without term limits, there's a turnover, right, with the elections no, and people. there wasn't. That's why we instituted it. Oh, no. I'm, uh, by the way, this is not a political stance on the issue of term limits. But, I mean, we, we did have a few that this year that were politically, because last time there was a huge Republican, and then that adjusted a little bit this time. And then we had term limits on top of it. But um, I'm not saying good or bad. It's, it's funny. A lot of the stories straight away, we're just talking inexperienced legislators come to Helena, and we thought that was kind of funny. And they're really hammering on. There's a lot of 20-somethings, uh, five, six of us. Yeah, something like that. I haven't. Here's the thing. I was on vacation. I turned forty. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on with the legislature. But I turned around and I've you know checked Twitter because I keep following it. And I, I've made the mistake of hitting the hashtag the empty leg. Everybody oh, no. else calls it empty ledge. And I was like, there's no D. 
I don't know what you people are talking about. Me too, about. yeah. And, uh, but I hit that tag and, and didn't see anywhere near the vitriol that I saw two years ago. So I figure everything's kind of going well, and I haven't heard any bills that I feel like I've had to, you know, hike down in what, half a mile down the road yeah. <laughs> to go into the building and start yelling at people. So, you know, things are a little bit better. <laughs> oh, we've got one on Monday. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, what is it? I, I, well, I'll, I'm not going to be purely political on this, but um, I figure it's worth me talking about one that's come up on Monday because it's one that I started work on. Um, oh, is this Facies? Yeah, Facies. Oh. Facies is Monday. Okay, I'll, do you want me to give background or avoid um, well, it? Well, let's get into that in a minute. Let's go, Sorry about let's that, go guys. Back to you. So you guys... So me, you, me, me. You were in... Uh, well, it is about you. And the whole thing is, is to, you know, we have to make you look human. You're a politician. It takes a little work. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I hear you. Um, so you, you've done all the stuff. You've been in law. You've always been a part of the community. And it came up that you, you know, the person that you were uh, clerking for, helping out, whatever... Um, he, he was termed out, so you knew the seat was going to be open, but what actually made you decide to run? Well, at the end of the day, we, I, I, I'd been covering it, these sessions for a while and you hear a lot of, uh, a lot of folks, they, they ask, why do the, why do you run question? And, and something that I've heard a lot is I'm worried about my kids future. I'm worried about my grandkids. I want to help preserve a strong foundation in government for, for these and I think there's a there's a time where it's like, well, my future, you know, that my generation and stuff, and the and the younger folks getting involved. So, I thought uh, being able to step up, help the folks in our community. We have a very poor district, in HD fourteen uh, with all the data, um, and I and I think it's important to be able to try and step up and send a set a good foundation in government uh, in order to see the dividends uh, return on that in the future. Um, that's my most uh, uh, neutral, non-divisive way I can say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very, ah, kumbaya. So um, just after day 90, I might be a bit more frank. But that, yeah, no, I mean. So, okay. So, but you decided to get into politics. And, yeah. and you've always been, you've always been involved in the community. I guess, you know, politics is a natural extension of being involved in the community in many ways. Sure. Um, but. What was it like when you decided to run for the House, knowing full well what the last session was like and how divisive and how horrible it can get? You know, why were you willing to go, well, you know, I see this frying pan over here. I shall step in it. <laughs> well, let me give you some some of what it was like. So filing was January 2012, and I was just wrapping up a degree. So we had that whole period between filing and the primary where I, was, I had the double task of uh, passing and running. And, <laughs> and uh, I, I, was, I was quite lucky. The guy who filed against me in the primary uh, dropped out to support me. So, I mean, if it, if it had been a proper primary situation, uh, it could have been hell on earth. Sorry. sorry but, um, no. Um, I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's all a right. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> First Amendment represent. Oh, geez. Well, anyway. and, and the FCC, one, the FCC doesn't have anything to do with podcasts. And two, really and truly, I'd, I'd love to have the show on the radio and have the FCC come after me because I'm like, um, we're talking about politics and politics and sausage are the same thing. It's not pretty. It's never going to be nice. And it's That's an right. adult subject. We get to use adult words. That's right. Okay. I feel I actually feel a little bit more comfortable now. <laughs> um, no. Uh, yeah, but, this isn't your high school radio program, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, no, it's it's. Um, 
Where were we before we started swearing? <laughs> um, you were going into the house. You oh, just... yeah. Well, oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, it's it's a good primer for when you're in the seat, because once you're in the seat, as I've discovered, 11th Legislative Day, phone calls, emails, letters is piling on. But the campaign cycle helps you to handle that because it starts piling on then. You get the scrutiny, your district, the media, you know, asking you questions and, you're, and, you, and you have to prepare for it. So um, it was scary, man. I mean, throwing your hat in there and basically... I've worked in retail a bit. It's like having to put your retail face on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, and, and, and folks, you know, and, and I completely for this to have folks be able to say very mean things to you and you smile and nod and, and can't retaliate. Um, <laughs> and I, and I've had it. I mean, and, and I've done the phone calls. People are a lot braver on the phone than they are in person. Holy moly. I had somebody. Yeah. And they're even braver on the internet. Oh, and that's, I mean, I'm very, I try to be very safe on Twitter. I try to not say anything. They'll start an internet argument. But um, even on the phone, I mean, there's, you know, some folks who, I'm a Republican, some folks do not. It's just that turns off their ear. And that's why I'm glad you're doing this. It's a humanizing on, on both sides. I had one guy say, just as soon as, as, soon as he heard Republican, he said, I'd rather vote for Satan himself than a Republican. I'm like, oh, man. So it was. At which point did you say, well, I'll introduce you to my horns? <laughs> no, I made a big mistake. Most veteran politicians say, at this point, when they get angry, you stop and walk away. And I was just like, what is it about the Republicans that you don't like? Oh, mistake. Engage. Yeah. Engage. Well, because I thought that they, I'm, I'm a younger Republican. I thought there might be aspects of the party that I could show that wasn't part of my brand. But. Um, no, don't don't even try. Sometimes, if, if yeah, well, some people, you know, part of it is, and this is where politics is in our country, um, because we've chosen to go to a, a two party system and we haven't had a lot of change in how those parties function. Once a party burns you, a lot of people get very angry and militant towards that party, and it doesn't matter that the parties evolve because they do evolve. People people change, the people involved change. And, you know, so the party's direction slowly morph over time and people forget that. But they see the, the letter that burned them and they just lose their minds. Yeah. And they don't see the person. I mean, and, and there's so much more to these human beings than the letter. I mean, I was talking with Pat Noonan last night, had no idea he is way into comic books. Mm. Yeah. And as fun discussion, you know, talk about past Marvel or DC. Well, he said he said he had some Marvel, but he called himself more of a DC guy. See, yeah, I was can't sub- talk to him now. Get this: <laughs> Representative Schwader was subscribed to Amazing Spider-Man from 1993 to 2009, and I'm going to try and get back in. But yeah, so I was a bit of a Marvel universe, but really, I just kind of stuck with the Amazing Spider-Man series. I didn't, I didn't branch out. Everybody's talking about X-Men and all those, and I don't have a lot of, you know, knowledge there. Um, and saw and saw the newer Spider-Man movie not too long ago. What'd you think of that? Um, I actually didn't see the new one, and and part of it is that I think that uh, oh, I can't believe we're going in this. Story. No, but this is what we need. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the the three movies that were done before the Sam Raimi movies, um, one and two were really good. Three was ridiculous, disappointing. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. But um, I've never been a huge Spider-Man fan. Like I'm okay with the character, but it was never that was never my comic book. Uh, I was much more the X-Men. Uh, and, uh, 
but it was a that was a great movie. Then you know the third one was so bad. It was so mm. tacky and cheesy. I was like, because I was like, I was excited about Venom, man. And, and I was like, oh, come and on. then they turned around and rebooted it four years later. I'm like, this is when another sequel comes out. You don't reboot really <laughs> at that point. And so I just never really got. I haven't gotten around to seeing it, and I didn't hear anything great about it. So I was like, eh, I'll see it when it comes out on cable. <laughs> now, I, well, now you said I got I got to get into this. You went to CES. For your birthday? I did. Well, I went to Vegas for my birthday. CES happened to be at the same time. So you didn't... Did you check out CES or... Oh, yeah. Because something that, that, that I heard was there, and I didn't know they'd moved up to this level to be there. Did you see the Bitcoin stand? The Bitcoin. Or was it... I don't know how big CES is. It must um, be so massive you it's, can't... Well, it's at... It takes place on five floors of the... Oh, uh, man. The never mind. Plus the entire... Uh, Las Vegas Convention Center. I mean, it's like 4 million square feet. I wasn't walking around all of it. Oh, wow. I went to stuff that was specifically, you know, important to my business, audio, video, production stuff. Um, I didn't see the Bitcoin. I'm not, like, the Bitcoin movement worries me a little bit. Yeah, oh, it's, I just, I'm somebody who gets a kick out of things. And when I saw Bitcoin at CES, I'm like, oh, my word. Hmm. So I, I'm not going to get into that whole discussion, but I just, I just saw you were there. And uh, was wondering about it. But, um, yeah, no, I have to say, actually, for for most things, CES was rather disappointing because in audio video, like 90% of the booths, if they weren't major manufacturers of, you know, like Panasonic or Sony, um, or even some of the, the, the manufacturing houses that build stuff for them were there, which was even more weird. But if you weren't those businesses, they were like basically iPod cases and iPad cases uh, and iPhone cases and, or speakers. And I'm like, who cares? Yeah. You know, it's like, what are you building that's new? Do something that's cool that I want to see. That's right. And you know, so it was, it was a little disappointing. So we've gone from comic books to CES. Let's go back to politics. I can bring, it, I can bring this back to Montana, actually, okay. if you like. I was talking sure. with Pomnikowski about this. And... Uh, so it's like a political tech thing. I'm bringing it. I'm just. I'm like finding. I find a circle and bring it back. Um, this because is I the can, most segue filled show ever. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's not going to be a non sequitur because it's going to have a moral at the end. And the moral is, uh, I'm interested in exploring. And maybe it's because I'm a younger person. Um, tech in Montana and the potential for it. I don't. I'm not an expert. It's just some. I heard Pomnikowski talk about the stuff going on in Bozeman and how they're having a bunch of. Uh, tech businesses doing relatively well a couple hundred jobs and and there was a planning oh what was the name of it in my county mineral county and they started using this word about seven years ago with economic development calling montana uh, the rockies the third coast have you heard that term used in no but i know th- but what's really funny is the third coast is actually the gulf coast and oh. so we shouldn't be using that term. okay fourth coast <laughs> We shouldn't but, be calling but, it a coast. It's a mountain. But, but yeah. It's, but, <laughs> yeah I, I, those, what really drives me nuts is when people try to do that. It's like, fine, if you want to call it something clever, come up with something that's realistic because wasn't mountains me. aren't a coast <laughs> and there's no coast here if you can't read Not a yet. map. <laughs> it, well, that's Rising sea level. <laughs> okay, I won't oh, get that. Oh, climate change? You want to talk about that? <laughs> we, we had to do it. But no, it, but, the, but the premise was in a modern economy – uh, for certain businesses, all the employees don't have to be sitting in the middle of L.A. or New York or Seattle. No, they don't. They can be connected via the Internet. And in many exactly. ways, they'll be connected better and faster. So, And the idea was that in some of these communities, you have places people would like to live and work in. You know, my, my district's beautiful. 
Uh, we've got, you know, we've got, not that this, this is, you know, Helena's gorgeous. He's looking, he's looking out the windows into <laughs> the backyard going, not that this is, wait a minute, no, no, this is pretty ugly. But no, we've got, I mean, we've got the I-90 access. We've got the, you know, gorgeous mountains, 83% public land. So, I mean, it's a playground we live in. And, uh, and, and they're talking about if you just have that entrepreneur and the, and the, and the employees who are interested um, in setting up maybe like a tech-based business, something that doesn't need a retail front of house or a big manufacturing center or something, um, that, there's, that there's potential because it's a place people would like to work in. A lot of places out there have low cost of living. I mean, mm-hmm. homes and, and whatnot. It's not an eastern Montana situation. We have right, homes. Not the we have, yeah, we have places that are begging for renters. We have homes that have stu- uh, signs in front of them for less than half their assessed value just trying to liquidate and sell. And they're gorgeous homes. So, I mean... I don't know how we bring that full circle. It's just something I'm interested in studying about, and well, I like the yeah, discussion. Um, actually, it's interesting you bring that up. Uh, I don't know if you had met Diane Smith when she was running for the um, House seat. Um, neat, neat lady, and and super, super bright. And she's very interested in making. Uh, she wrote a book called The New Rural dot com, and uh, it it talks about how because of the interconnectivity and the fact that we have internet that goes everywhere. Right. You really can do this stuff. And businesses who forget about that are losing out on the opportunities to attract people because of the quality of living, the the beauty and the education people can get. And the fact that they're not stuck in a city and, you know, they can live where they want to and still do the things that they dream of simply because we have that connectivity. So I think, you know, one of the things that needs to happen is we just need to make that activity, that uh, advertising that a little bit more. Oh, sure. So, you know, I think it could happen. I I thought you were going to use the word incentivize. Uh, No, because I'm an adult. (laughs) Uh, but no, I mean, it is, it is something that, uh, I don't think we need to incentivize it. I think it's something that we need to advertise and we need to promote, but promoting it doesn't mean that we need to throw money at it in, you know, like tax breaks and that sort of stuff. I think in many ways, the cost of living is so much less and the cost of doing business is so much less that those incentives already really exist. That's true. And if we can do just it right. Just communicating that information right. to if the... If we can do it right and get the people in here and go, look, we know that it's great that you have your business in San Francisco, but your cost per square foot to have those employees in that building would allow you to take your entire staff skiing every weekend at Big Sky. <laughs> Think about it. You know, that's, that's the difference in doing business here versus there. And yeah, you have a lot of talent there, but I bet you when you show them the pictures of where they could live, they'd rather be here. Absolutely. And it's one of those things when you travel across the country, you say, oh, I'm from Montana. Eyes get big. You say, oh, Montana. By the way, uh, you folks can't see, see this because you're listening. I've been gesticulating with my hands a lot during this That's okay. Uh, Everybody discussion. does it. I don't have any sound effects for like air quotes Ooh. or anything, but I need them. <laughs> uh, so, hey. you, yeah. So you have this radio background. Let's let's dive into this. You started a radio station at your high school. Yeah. And it, it was kind of funny because we had a radio issue come out on the floor uh yesterday and today but to that that, i don't worry i'll avoid that it it is boring (laughs) no so don't um anyway no in 2004 or 5 i'd always been big into radio i lived 17 miles from my school we'd listen to the road when a little kid listen to the morning show i got really in part of my development i was like i love radio and uh anyway in 2004 I started work in summer, I think is after my sophomore year on a project. Uh, the, my, my school under a previous administration had uh, 
got a LPFM license and some equipment. And it's then an LPFM. Uh, it's it was a temporary FCC license. They don't make new ones anymore, but it was for up to one one hundred or three hundred watts. No, uh, it's been a while. Yeah, and it was for uh, nonprofit community based radio stations. And you went through the application process, but basically they cut a lot of the red tape. And the idea was some of these communities with you know loads of empty spots on the on the dial could get a community station going if they weren't doing it for profit and were kind of trying to b- add to their community. Oh, cool. And they, but nothing ever happened with it. And it had been sitting there for about four years or so, about to expire. So, <laughs> and here I am, loving radio. I'm like, hey, summer project. Just a little bit of, you know, got a little bit of permission from administration. Say, yeah, kid, do whatever. And what we found out really quick is the equipment they did have didn't didn't really work uh. but the license worked so what we but we had the oh man i'm going to sound like i don't know what i'm talking about anymore it's been so long we had the tr- transmitter but the antenna and whatnot had had issues and a bunch of stuff connected we found a guy who had an lpfm in plains montana who just loved radio came down gave us an antenna um helped us along the way and by about Four or five months later, we actually had an antenna on and were able to broadcast. We were super excited. Spent the next four months building a a legal music database, which took a long time. Because remember, 2004, we were using CDs, and I had to hand type in every check. And we had to vet them to make sure that they're FCC compliant. A lot of man hours. But anyway, long story short... By the end of it, we got some money from our school and the commissioners to upgrade our equipment, and we recorded a bunch of spots, and we ended up with a 24-hour-a-day school-based community radio station, and and I DJed on it a bit, but by the time I graduated, the point it had reached was 24-hour music community, but it didn't have a programming regimen because it took all my time and effort just to get it to exist. Right. Flash forward about seven years. Now we've finally, this year, the administration actually put together a class. There's a teacher who's my age who runs the class, and he kind of gets it. And these kids have learned about radio law. They've learned, uh, you know, a lot of, they've been tinkering at FCC. They renewed the license themselves without any help from me. Nice. I volunteer a bit, kind of give them... Like the like the Godfather or something, give them just like general. And you sit in the back in a tux and go, "No, my people." <laughs> <laughs> and kind of, we were like, "Well, we're gonna do pre-recorded broadcasts for you guys. We aren't gonna have kids live on the air yet. You know, it's <laughs> kind of we don't need this thing to you know." But and they've learned and and they've kind of it's a small school, so this class has only got about six seven kids. And they've each developed jobs. You've got the manager. You've got someone doing design for the website and, and social networking aspect these kids are awesome and uh someone's you know building the new music database there's folks who are the on-air talent there's folks who do research for the programming and they're trying to get uh two shows a week a, we- a, a weekly community calendar and new spots and the long-range goals are we'd love to get sports broadcasting, uh, but not live because you want people to show up, just like a re-air. Hmm. So if somebody's like, that's an awesome basketball game, it's going to be on the radio tomorrow night, let's listen to it again or something. That's um, cool. But sorry, that's my rant. I love this radio station. And th- there's a funny moment. I went to a commissioner meeting in my county about a month ago to talk about how well the radio station was going. 
And you could see in their eyes this thought, oh, here comes the funding request. (laughs) And then at the end, I said, by the way, this isn't a funding request. It's just a thank you for the investment you made seven years ago. And they're like, oh, thanks. Oh, that's cool. That's my radio rant. KTGC 101.3 St. Regis, Montana. Tune in if you're near there. (laughs) I'd probably drive through. I'd be like, I know there's a radio station here. iPod. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but that's really cool. I think uh, anytime people can get involved in media and actually figure out how it works. It's oh, man. These kids are learning and they don't even know it. That's my, my favorite. Well, that's the way classes should be. It's funny right? that, you know, we've devolved our education system down to the you you get a lot of theory, but you don't get a lot of application. It's like, well, the theory doesn't make any sense if you can't apply it. And in some cases, the theory has expired because technology has moved on. Yeah. So, yeah. That's where that is. Anyway, so then you decided to run. You, you, I did run. You did the. You did run. You did the campaign. You made it through the summer, which was a nightmare for just about everybody. What was election night for you? Election night. What election night is that? What you said? Sorry, my hearing's not. Um. So the party had a party, and uh, I went there for a bit, and um, I love those folks, and it was fun. And then it, uh, uh, partway through, <laughs> I decided that I wanted to, um, I, I, I honestly, after the whole campaign, I'd, I'd been public, 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 retail face, retail face, retail face, smile, smile, smile. Um, I was like, all right, I'm just going to watch the results with my family. So I went to my folks' house and, uh, you know, had some food, had some drink, turned on the computer. And, you know, my county, they're... They, they do not rush themselves on counting. They want to get it done right, thorough. And so my results came about four in the morning. So um, here I am at 10 o'clock. Refresh, refresh, refresh. Yeah. So, I mean, by then it was basically some of the billings people, public instru- uh, superintendent, and me. And in, But, no, it was uh, <coughs> is exciting. And uh, we had, you know, pretty interesting performance. We had the strongest third party in the state. Um, lovely, lovely, lovely lady, Jesse Nichols. She ran as an independent. She's in actually my 4-H circle. We're such a small community. We all actually got along on the campaign. Not once. I, I do want to say this because I think this is one of those D.C. can learn from Montana moments. Three people. Um, a lovely Democrat, Christine Johnson out of Houston, who had a lot of good things to say about uh, solutions for the timber industry, which is important where we are. Uh, Jesse Nichols, a uh, big time member of the community in Alberton and in the, very involved in the 4-H, which is important to me. And then, and then me, the whole campaign cycle, we didn't release one piece of literature or say one thing publicly to tear down the other two. We, we, we just presented our views, let the folks make their decisions, but we did not, you know, make it about, oh, Vote for me because you don't like them kind of a thing. Right. And I mean, some people say you have to do it, you don't. But for us, we're such a small community. If we would have gotten into infighting, it would have wounded the community going forward. We got 3,000 people in the county. So <laughs> it's not something you want to do. And and I don't know. I think that, that that's a tradition that started many moons, many cy- campaign cycles ago. Well, that's cool. But sorry, that's my kumbaya endorsement. I'm uh. You seem to be kumbayaing a lot. Sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. Day 90, when I limp in here, I'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll have a conversation. Then, then it's on, people. Okay, so <laughs> what are the big issues that are close to your heart that really made running uh, uh, an important thing? I, I'm good trying to get into stuff that's not wonky and boring. 
Um, it's a political show. It's all wonky and boring. <laughs> I think that uh, there needs to be a bit more push in my party to lean on the civil liberties aspect of the small government mantra so i'm big on some of those liberty issues um some of the bills i've talked about before kind of go into that and but i'm not going to get that deep unless you want me to to go into individual issues um i wanted to be able to try and stand up and be accessible to help the community because yeah you can hear me talk about the problems but what are the solutions so uh, I don't have them all and I'm one rep and I try and remind myself that. But um, a lot of folks in my district have been, when I do the phone calls in the door to door, I hear a lot. And again, I don't have all the solutions yet, but a lot of concerns about uh, property taxes with, we, we had our appeals period. We had the, um, and, and what's it? 2014 for reassessment. Um, and we, and they do understand that a lot of, the things we need in our local community and how that works. That's that that's where it comes from. But again, that's, that's something that they, if there's something that we could do about, I know Bullock has some solutions that, that he's talked about, whether we think that's the right route or not, but I've heard, heard a lot from my constituency um, about the property taxes. I, however we can help our local governments uh we, we have a rural district we provide a lot of services for drive-through traffic so we have i-90 right right so you come into montana you go through my district from the west and not a lot of folks stop we don't have a lot of we have destinations for uh what kind of what i call like fun free things you know like camping and and you know you pay the state to fish but you know fishing and outdoors so not a lot of that money goes into the community but we have a strong responsibility with ambulance law enforcement and a lot of other services to provide in the past man i mean the past is wild in the winter you know yes and and things that we can do to to help them out on that level um i know uh i always commend saint regis they're pretty creative they they did the because uh, they didn't have a big pool uh, to get revenue from to provide services for their community. However, they did the resort tax thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? And because they have everybody who goes to Glacier from the West stops and fuels up in St. Regis. Right. So a couple cents a gallon. And they've gone from a town where there's just a bunch of dirt everywhere to there's new buildings going up. Wow, it's, it's, it's beautiful. They're able to provide services and help. You're sounding like a socialist. <laughs> I think the Republicans can definitely stand behind the resort tax. Revenue has to come from somewhere. And I think the St. Regis model is more moral than others. But I and maybe I and people I still think I'm on the right. Um, but. I guess maybe a lot of these conservatives don't have a resort tax district, so they don't under, they don't see how it works, and they just hear resort tax and, and get whoa. Right, they they just hear tax and yeah. lose their mind. But at the end of the day, if we're going to have a source of revenue, it's fine to critique what source is that going to be. Where are we going to get it from? And if we're going to get it from the people, thousands of out of stater yuppies driving through on their way to Glacier, or the folks who are having to hunt to feed their kids, um, you know. I might have a preference on on those two. Now, by the way, please 
if the media is listening to this on research in the future, do not say that this is a Schwader endorsement of a statewide sales tax. I'm not getting into that issue. Because <laughs> I know if, if you ever... there no, The problem that we have with the statewide sales tax is that it'd be stupid. I'm sorry. Uh, regressive's the word, right? Uh, no, uh, it, it'd just be stupid. Mm. Uh, having lived in states that have no sales tax or have sales tax... And, and various combinations of whether they have income tax or not or property tax or not. Um, I honestly think Montana is definitely going in the right direction. I hear you. With the way they're doing it because the sales tax, it hits, yes, it hits everyone. And so it hits the people that are visiting the state. But yeah. there are better ways to get them, to get right. at them and to get taxes from them for their visits, which is, you know, part of the deal. Right. Uh, then putting a tax that puts a burden on every single thing we do in this state there's just it's no you know yeah. oregon doesn't have one new hampshire doesn't have one montana doesn't have one and and it's the smarter way to go and, and no no you're right and and also you know he said i briefly or for a few years studied in england i mean i gotta see what a 22.5 percent well vat but yeah the value added so, yeah it looks what's like the value they added to it well they've added value to making my wallet feel like helium oh and in my my little thing is uh Pretty much, if you're kind of at the at the bottom of the ladder trying to work your way up, they hit everything that you you know. So that everything you buy would be twenty two point five percent. They have a lot of uh, alcohol taxes, and a lot of guys out there, you working class, like to drink their cider, right? Mm -hmm. And then cigarettes are taxed to death. So like the two things that you can enjoy, you're not going to the opera every other night. You're not doing all these, you know. You're not buying big boats or anything. You've you know, and they and, and they just absolutely go after. It. And they recently did put in a tried to put in a pasty tax but that was the line that they drew and, the, and there's and i'm not even joking huge outcry in the middle of plymouth there was protests and signs in the street don't tax our pasties so it's the same as uh that's what i was talking with pat noonan about the other day because butte right the past yeah, i actually saw your tweet about that you know i need yeah. to talk to you about pasties and it's like <laughs> I think I know where this was going, and I was right. <laughs> yeah, no, because because right because I was right next to Cornwall, which was pasties. That's that's all they talk about, and they're very purist out there. If it's not manufactured in Cornwall in exact way, it's not pasty in their mind. I'm like, all right, guys, come on. Yeah, it's but, not champagne; it's sparkling wine. Whatever. That's right, and it's uh, um, and uh, probably about a hundred times I heard the story about you know the miners and they'd hold the crust. And then they'd eat the inside, and there'd be arsenic on their fingers, which would go into that's what the crust is for. And they'd throw the crust away to the spirits, the mine, and um, and that's what I came here to talk about. I want to talk about technology and pasties. I love it. <laughs> and by the way, did you see we have more the right? The GOP has got more people on Twitter this session. They do. Zolnikov, you need to get him on here. By the way, he, I need to get everybody on here. Every and this is the you know I'm sending the invitation to everybody, even if I politically don't agree with you, yeah, Mister Essman. Uh, I'd still would like to have you on the show. And, but you know, part of the reason is because if you can't communicate with both sides of the aisle, uh, you probably shouldn't be doing politics. Yeah. Um, and, and what's funny is that I, I, I lay it out that way, but the truth of the matter is they find that when they come on the show and they sit down and have a conversation that I'm not an evil demon, uh, which, you know, is a shock to most of them. But the other thing is, the, at once they're done with the show, other people listen to it, and it's easier for them to communicate with people that they hadn't been able to communicate with before. Because people do enter politics with sort of this uh, uh, mindset of, I am right, you are wrong, and yeah. I will do it my way, which is not going to win you any kudos from anyone. So. I think it'd be really fun to get the youth caucus in here. It's a joke. That's not an official term, but... 
Um, no, I think it'd be great. Um, you know, so I'll send I, I want everybody to come on the show. The big thing is, is that you know, the first time I want, uh, the first time you come on the show, I really want to talk about why you're in politics and get a little feel for who you are as an individual. Sure. You know, it's not necessarily about um, what you're doing. You know, it's it's what you're doing can be the second show for the most part, but. You know, and what we did on day ninety, <laughs> exactly. What did, did you, you do? Maybe I think we might do a roundtable at the end of the session, and you know, how did it go? And get three from each side, and see that would it, be fun. See how it works out. Um, do it. So, um, since you got to Helena in, I guess you got here in what late December? No, early January. I got here January second. Okay, so has it? Uh, kind of met your expectations, or have there been things that the town? Been, yeah, you well, know what? Well, the town and the politi- the politicized moments of the town. I f- I feel well as far as the town. I feel like my experience has been a bit limited because it's been the capital home capital. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say where I live on on the internet. I was but... talking about where you live. That's where we drink. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I basically uh, where I live, where I work out, capital. Burger King occasionally in between, but um, no, it's it's which that's odd because there's no Burger King between the areas where you live in the capital. There oh, used no. to be though. Yeah, I well, what I now do it's a CVS. It's almost like kind of a drive because I go down towards what's it called, East Helena, Townsend, something. Yeah. So and I'll, I'll be like, both okay, of, both I'm, of them exist out that direction. <laughs> something like that, and uh, no, because sometimes you just want to drive around. I ended up in Montana City the other day by the cement place, and but. Um, no, I've actually a body. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, Kevin. I don't know what you're talking about. No, um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, there are we missing any representatives <laughs> on the D side? <laughs> um, it's like, let's see. There have been only 99 votes the last couple of days. Are we missing somebody? <clears throat> no, there's just out of town. But there's. Um, yeah, I got I got the crud last week, and I was joking that the Democrats poisoned me because <laughs> it's my whole area, right? There's people. Half of us had gastrointestinal, half of us had respiratory. We were just we just got it all out of the way the first week. Uh, I mean, no, you didn't. Oh yeah, <laughs> February's coming. <coughs> round two. You haven't seen anything yet. But um, no, it's it's. I actually, I don't know. I'm digging on Helena. It's a it's a pretty neat town. There's, it's. I'm still finding more and more bits of it, if you know what I'm saying, because I come in from the west and then I go to the capital. But there's the the parts to the north. There's there's a you know, and just kind of trying to get the layout of the town. Right, and it's a tough town to get around. I mean, because it has that little this thing yeah. and that thing. We've only got three streets that connect east and west, and two yeah. that do north and south. Well, I was joking when I was when I was looking. I'm like. Why is this the capital city? I understand historically and all that, but I'm thinking because we stuffed a box <laughs> before, before, before the railroad. Yeah, we we. Oh, next show, let's talk about history, by the way, because you know a lot more than me. I need to uh, get into that because remember we, we had that Twitter conversation about how they used to drink and smoke on the house floor. Oh yeah, well DPHHS gave out ashtrays as gifts here <laughs> to legislatures. Now, who is it? Who tell me if this is a true story or not? I heard that one of the first smoking bills. All the uh, reps, as a joke, started smoking when when they read out and spoke on the bill. Yeah, and then she put the gas mask on. Um, you, have you heard that story? Yeah, and I I remember it vaguely. It's from actually the I want to say ninety three session. Oh, that recent. 
Yeah, it's not that long ago. They were smoking on the floor in the nineties. Well, remember that the there was no in, the Clean Indoor Air Act did not happen until two thousand ten. Um, in Montana, the uh, smoking in buildings, smoking in the workplace happened sometime in the late eighties, early nineties. Um, but exempted from that was the house and really and the Senate. I didn't know they had an exemption. Oh yeah. Well, they all, and if you look on the desks, you can still see cigarette burn marks on the wood. Uh, it's, it's, it's really horrible how, well, you know, cigarettes, it, it, the history of cigarettes in this country is, is its own special madness. Oh yeah. You know, cause they, they were given out by the military. They were recommended by doctors. We had, I mean, cause we, we have the pharmacy in superior and there's a bunch of old stuff that used to be in there and they have, uh, uh, and my father remember this because he was pharmacist for long enough. Asthmatic cigarettes mm-hmm. they had the medicine to treat asthma in the cigarettes. So right, and and that's not necessarily a, you know, the, the we've gone a little bit wonky the other direction. You know, you think it's been a little too well. And and as much as I hate cigarette smoke, I don't mind people who smoke a cigar or a pipe. As long as they do it in some place where it's appropriate. Right. And um, I'm not a big fan of cigars. I, I don't like the smell. So you're saying like if... Like a pipe, I love. If somebody wanted to have an enclosed separate <clears throat> like club for people uh, who all want to go in and smoke. No, I no? think that that causes problems because you've got so much secondhand smoke lingering around. And secondhand smoke has its own special yeah. toxins that you just don't need to deal with either. Plus, as it decays, it becomes worse on your yeah. system. It destroys clothes. It ruins buildings. It's mm. it's, its own... It's own special madness. But, I, I, you know, if you want to sit out on your deck and smoke a pipe, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the wind's going to take most of it away. It's not going to be that big of a deal. And people who worry about, well, you know, the, the solution to pollution is not dilution, um, which I hate that saying. But the truth I've of the matter is. I've never heard that saying. The solution to pollution is dilution. That was really popular in the 70s. We learned that in school in the 80s. Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> um, there are a bunch of people who complain about people smoking outside and how it's not good for the environment. And I will give them that on cigarettes because cigarettes have so many additives in them that are horrible. But if they're smoking pipe tobacco, which is really just leaf tobacco that's been dried. Right. Um, that's the, the smoke that comes from that is minimal. And considering how many forest fires we have every year, oh man, you don't get to worry about the how many pipes per acre with that. Be. Exactly. It's like uh, <laughs> considering how much we burn in this country, uh, just from wildfires, the, the yeah. smoking is immaterial to that. And we um, all remember the, um, you know, having the, the pollution control on you, you know, like I remember can't have football practice today. Pollution levels are too high from the forest fires. Right. And, and you know, and the air control, but we've had, you know, Recently, we've had fewer days that fit under that, both in summer and winter. Um, so it's been, you know, we're getting better with this sort of stuff. But one of the things that I find that's really, really sad with tobacco right now is it's such the devil that um, we don't do any research at, with it at all. And part of the reason that it exists as part of human culture is because at some point it was helpful. It did do good things for us. And whether those good things were just calming us down by giving us a hit of nicotine and letting us breathe. Breathe being actually, you know, be calm. Yeah. As opposed to uptight or whatever, which we do know that it does have that effect. Um, but it also has other effects on the body that could be beneficial. And we, we can't do any research into those using modern techniques, which is really sad because nobody's allowed to do research into tobacco because tobacco is considered the evil because of what big tobacco has done with cigarettes, which is ridiculous. But... That's where we yeah. are right now. So the pendulum has is swung a little bit far on that side and needs to be pulled Have back. you seen some of the, uh, uh, I don't know if they're called blue or whatever, the e-cigarettes that uh, have the, I the have va- seen nicotine vapor? <sighs> Do you think it's silly? 
Um, I do. I I think that it's one of those, like, I saw the ad that, um, I can't think of the name of the actor that's in it. Uh, anyway, um, I haven't checked out the chemical components of what it is or what it's suspended in. And here's, I thought it was propylene glycol. Well, and see that which bothers. is used in soda and stuff, right? Um, not that I know of. Okay, um, but regardless, putting large amounts of propylene glycol into your lungs is not a good idea. Um, it was at one point a kerosene-based smoke. Um, kerosene being what they use in nightclubs to create the the smoke and haze for laser shows. Um, which, you know, again, isn't harmful in small doses, but large doses of that can't be good. Right. You know, of course, large doses of water will kill you, too. So yeah. it's called drowning. But I mean, no, it's a good <clears> thought. <throat> you're putting this in your lungs at the end of the day. Right. And you're dosing yourself with it. And it's like, you know, if you need to get the nicotine, you know, you should probably think about trying to wean yourself off of the nicotine. But I've looked at people that are pipe smokers and they're able to quit smoking a pipe fairly easily. I don't think nicotine is nearly as addictive as cigarettes are addictive. The whole thing, right? right. Holding the cigarette, of, the smoke, the entire process. Well, I don't even know that it's... Well, the physical part of holding a cigarette, I think, probably is to some extent. Because it gives them an excuse to get up from their desk and go down. And they go outside and they take a smoke and whatever. Yeah. But um, I think that... And actually, I know this... The chemicals that they put into cigarettes to keep them burning. Because, you know, if you just light tobacco and let it sit, it puts itself right, out. Right, exactly. So they've put in chemicals to keep it burning so that you'll burn through a cigarette, so that you'll get through your pack faster, so that you have to buy more, so that they make more money and you eventually die of cancer. Um, you know, those chemicals that they put in there are, they're on the same level as the chemicals that are used to produce meth. Wow. And they're sitting inside of a cigarette and you're burning them and you're putting them in your body. I think those are far more addictive because they do different things to your system. And I just don't think it's worthwhile. I think that yeah. if you were to switch, if you take any smoker and switch them over to smoking a pipe where it's just tobacco and they still get the nicotine hit, but they're not getting the other chemicals. And then they quit from that. They can quit very easily sure. because the nicotine is not what they're addicted to. It's the other stuff because that's, that's why the patches don't work for people. They're still getting the nicotine. Exactly. But they're not smoking, so they don't get the physical action of smoking. And they're not getting the other chemicals, so they're, they're being deprived of two things right. instead of just one. And, you know, we see it as one thing because it's just while well, you're smoking. And it's like, well, no, they're not. They're, they're smoking, they're interacting, they're, they've got the physical part of it, and, you know, whatever. I think you're right. There is a bit more of this story, and there hasn't been a dialogue. I also think we could have but, but then, our own talk show right. and have roundtables on issues like tobacco and whatnot. Right. And, and, <laughs> and I, I do work for, and, you know, full disclaimer, I do work for the Montana Tobacco Use for Prevention Program. I am pretty militant about it. So this is it. your forte, man. Yeah, I am pretty militant about it, which, which is funny because, you know, in everything else in my life, I'm like, eh, whatever, do what you want. But I, the smoking hurts me. It hurts my lungs so badly. And it's just, you know, being around smokers drives me up a, f a wall. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm far more likely to just yell at people and tell them to put out their cigarette and quit smoking until they do so or stop being around me. Right. <laughs> so, which is, well, you know, it's, it's uh, good to have something friends. to be passionate about, but like, especially on, on a health issue. I also think that, um, right. And I think it's very discourteous if somebody who even didn't even know how you felt about it, uh, lights up near you. I don't, I don't appreciate, um, 
I think some are good about this. Some aren't. But you'll you'll see smokers. They'll be walking down the street. If they see like kids walking, what they'll cross the street, you know, or they'll avoid. But then there's some that aren't. So, but so, and if they aren't respecting your airspace, let them know. Well, and I do, unless you really like it. <laughs> I guess there's some people who don't care. But I'm saying it's it's good to let them know oh, because I hate it, and I hate smelling like smoke. And I, I you know, when you walk yeah. when you walk into any building where somebody's been smoking outside, and you've had to walk through that cloud of smoke yeah. immediately, like, ugh, makes me crazy. Makes me crazy. You know, so yeah, I'm a big proponent of the Clean Indoor Air Act. I think the multifamily Clean Indoor Air Act that they're trying to get passed this year needs to get passed. Oh, do we have a tobacco bill coming before us? I you probably is that have state like or 30. federal? Oh, it's okay. a state one, and you probably have like thirty coming up. But I know is one that of them. DPHHS or something? yes? Okay, um, I know that one of them that they that they're trying to pass, and I don't know if they brought it up brought it forward as a bill yet this year or not. Um, but the next thing that they're trying to get passed is the multifamily housing. Uh, Clean Indoor Air Act. And the reason for that is is because when you have multiple apartments, they share air systems and filters. Right. And if one person smokes, everybody then effectively right. is affected by it. So it's one of those things. And, you know, there, there are a bunch of people that are going, well, you're trampling on my rights. No, I'm really not. I'm stopping you from killing yourself. And just, I, I you know, want to point out, we don't let you drive down the freeway at 902 miles an hour in your crappy little Subaru. We also don't want you smoking. You know, that's that's all there is to it. We'd like you we like you people enough to say we'd like you to stay around. Sure. That's the end of that. So that's the end of my rant. That's so, good. Yeah. By the way, uh <laughs> you folks can see us, we're both wearing purple today. Mm. I'm always wearing purple. That's I just, I so just nonsense. I do so much work for Kara College, my entire closet's filled with and, and, and you know it's funny, uh two things I've learned, because I like to share this being on the, the inside. More folks wear purple in the Montana house than you'd think. Well, yeah, because that way they're not showing colors. That's they're right. not flying their gang colors. That's right. And uh, <laughs> what uh, what are you doing over here wearing that blue? You know. Okay. But um, yeah, then there's the bloods of the crypts going on in the state and house. A, and a lot more people drink. And I'm, you know, uh, a lot more people. And maybe this is a weird observation I put on Twitter. More reps drink Mountain Dew than you'd think. Um, I think that's because you guys work so many hours. I mean, people forget. But I mean, I thought for some reason town. I thought Republicans wouldn't drink Mountain Dew. Old Republicans, I didn't think they'd, but they do. And I, maybe that's a weird thing to say. It's just not something that I. Well, you're 24, is that right? Yeah. So, what's your definition of old? Um, I don't want to say 60 plus because that's pretty much everybody. So I don't, I don't know. Did I say old? I didn't mean. To. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we re- realize that Mountain Dew has been out for 40 years now. Oh, that's true. So anybody that was in their twenties and picked it up then would be in their 60s. It is, now. it is kind of nice when you get, you know, you're getting into your afternoon committee and you're kind of dragging, especially if you had, you know, an intense morning and after in, in floor. It's kind of nice to go get that big old Mountain Dew and sit down and just kind of nurse it like a little baby. Just like, ah, oh, get that. I think it, uh, I, I firmly believe it makes me a better legislator, <laughs> allowing me to be like, and by the way, I'm not years, getting money from Mountain years Dew. We're having the, the caffeine bills all on the floor. No, no, no. You can have coffee, but Mountain Dew is out. Uh, no, and by the way, I'm not getting paid by Pepsi company <laughs> to, to be on. They've been a great about. sponsor of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 
there's gotta be like something unethical or illegal about having like paid product placement on the house floor or something. Um, I'm sure there is. I actually, I don't think they can do that. Um, but back to your original question about the ashtrays from DPHHS. The other one that was funny was the one that cracked me up. And I was talking to this actually my, you know, I was at Christmas with my parents and, um, my mom had a bunch of her friends over and mom and dad are very Republican. So most of their friends are as well. And Judy Rolfe was talking about when her, it was her, I think it was her dad, but it might've been her grandfather that was in the, the house fish, wildlife and parks gave them all guns. <laughs> Let that sink in for a minute. Now, if in 2011, one of the state agencies had turned around and given all the legislators guns in there, in, uh, in there, there at, the, at place. the building. Now, I don't know that they necessarily give them ammo, but this is Montana. So yeah. there is the possibility that someone might have in some in a containers. bag. You know, can you imagine how the meetings might have gone? Well, I believe. No, you don't. <laughs> 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 gunfight um, well it's, it's exactly. funny i will meet you between the house and the senate at high noon and we're gonna vote <laughs> in the rotunda no i mean dun, dun, dun. people but, walking through with spurs <laughs> yeah it's like what it, i wouldn't be surprised to see a legalized montana dueling law right it's like voluntary consenting adults can duel in the rotunda pending a permit but um <laughs> I, I think you could still do that to this day if you you know they'd have to sign paperwork and go through a couple other things but then they'd have to have they'd have to use like stun guns or something yeah um what was You'll i be using a trank cart i'll be using ten thousand volts we'll see how this ends that's why you say that about the the armed fight because every single committee had to have the safety briefing on our first committee right mm. about and it's fine it's good but it's kind of disconcerting because i had to hear it three times right three committees and when they're saying in a very calm passive voice and if you do this we if we have an event, we might be able to maximize the number of lives that we save and decrease the number of folks who perish. And I'm just thinking, that's kind of dark. But, I mean, I know it's realistic. You know, I mean, <laughs> politics can get charged and you don't know who walks through. But I'm, I'm thinking, so we're just sitting here calmly listening to someone talking about, yeah, if a bunch of people get, you know, if, if there's a bunch of whack jobs with guns show up, here's uh, how you're going to die. I'm, I'm, I want to be really careful about how I phrase it. But, yeah, I mean, it's saying, yeah, well, we want to decrease the number of representatives who die was basically what they're saying. And I'm kind of, okay. It's not because we like you, though. It's because it's so hard to replace you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and don't even get me started. There's a joke. I cover three counties. So you'd have to have three sets of county commissioners all agree on right oh, if God. I kick the bucket. So the joke is I got to go sort out my will to just give them an idea of <laughs> But don't tell the person who it is, because they incentivize my perishing. So, you know, have some... Oh, you're using that word again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but no, um, have some anonymous person and just have a little envelope in my will that if I <laughs> kick the bucket uh, driving around in the snow and stuff, they'll know who to replace me with and not have to have a Missoula County, Mineral County, Sanders County Battle Royale. Um, but yeah, but it, it has happened. I mean, the, in my district... It wasn't during the session. It's usually people who resign or leave to work. Right. Um, it has happened about three times in my lifetime. So cool. So um, I guess let's get into the bill that you're that you say is going to be contentious, but that absolutely shouldn't be contentious. Oh, you don't want to talk about? No, no, no. I'm saying I I, I was agreeing that it shouldn't be contentious. That was <laughs> so I wasn't waving you away saying no. Let's not talk about it. Let's talk about it. Um, so Monday. So most of so the th well, let's back up. You okay. were asked to to co-sponsor this bill or did you go find them and I say you wanted to be a part of this I, or what? So, so what happened was day two mm -hmm. after I got elected 
uh, I started this. I put in a draft request, and it turned out that I got an email saying, um, Senator Facey's doing the exact same thing. He put in a request like a year ago for this. We can't, as a matter of rule, you know, if, if identical bills go through Senate and House and one dies, the other dies. You know, it, they can't go forward. So they can just let one happen. Yeah, just let one happen. So I call up Facey and I'm kind of nervous. It's day two after election and I, I'm calling up a tenured member of the Senate. So I'm like, OK, how's this going to go is my first contact. And we had a lovely conversation and. In his own way, he said, "Well, I don't, I, I, I don't really like having playing the name game, having a bunch of names on a bill, but I'd, I'd be more than happy to have your signature." And I said, "Okay, I'll put mine on hold, and we'll, we'll do what we got to do." Uh, basically, what this bill was, and the reason I requested it first was for me, it was the easiest to put together. You know, I mean, okay. it was deleting nine words. Um, and what are those nine words? You know, I don't know them offhand, but basically, it's. Uh, I got a call in the Huffing- from the Huffington Post when they saw this because they didn't know what my bill. My bill said generally revised deviant sexual relations definitions. And so the Huffington Post calls me like, what's this bill you're trying to do? And they were actually quite surprised to find out what it was. Well, right, because you're a Republican in, yeah. in the state. And I had a deviant sexual relations law. And I'm a Republican. It's right. like <laughs> Generally, that means they were going to add people to that list. <laughs> yeah, so basically uh, in, in Montana code, I don't know when it was put in. You could probably tell me uh, with the constitutional uh, seventy-two. Yeah, it was part of the part of the laws that were put back in right away. Okay, well, it, it and essentially what it defines as a deviant sexual act is uh, most any intimate contact with two people of the same gender, and the penalty for that is up to ten years imprisonment. To give you some contrast, I think isn't the uh, guideline for sexual assault six months? Yes. Yeah. So, um, so intimate loving contact could get you 10 years, but sexual assault, voluntary consenting adult, but surprise sex would get you six months. Yeah. Mm. So it's, it's, and that's kind of a problem. I mean, and, and to give background to folks, there's been a lot written on this. It's not the first session that's come up. It was ruled unconstitutional in, am I saying it? Grixen Grisen? In the Grison case in 1997. That's right. It's it ruled unconstitutional then. So it hasn't been, as I understand it, enforced since then because it's been unconstitutional, correct? Correct. Um, Which the Republicans in the legislature have not liked. And, and then in 2003, Lawrence v. Texas made it the same for the U.S. Right. By the U.S. Supreme Court. So there's no way this law could ever be enforced in Montana or anywhere else in the United States. It just right. isn't going to happen. And And I think... And what happened, so to give even more background, this was actually in the GOP party platform until this summer. And when I was at that convention, I was part of the people who got that sucker out of there. Right. Um, I was actually, uh, I can't remember where I was when the, the party meeting was happening. I was somewhere. I was avoiding it. and But I got a text message from my mom and then one from uh, or a tweet from Mike Miller that it had been removed. Right. And I was hanging around with a bunch of Democrats and I was like, you're not going to believe this shit. <laughs> Yeah. And I showed them, and they're like, "No, no, that can't be happening." And, and it was; it was true. And it, it, it wasn't; it wasn't even contested. It flew through, right? But, which is which is amazing because at the last one, the one two years before, it not only was contested, but it was then put back in, and they were going to try to reinstate the law. Well, it, I don't know. You probably know better than me because you're tied in here. My area. Even my, because obviously my constituents know what I'm working on. Even my Tea Party leaders get it. 
in my district. Tea Party leaders in Mineral County get it. Small government, private, consensual. Why is this a law? Sorry, I'm gonna. Sorry, I won't get emotional. But you know what I'm saying. Right. To, to no, me, it's, it's to me, it's to me, it's. The joke I say is, why isn't this a Republican bill? Small government, uh, leaving folks alone, that kind of stuff. Well, and that's what we've been telling the Republicans for decades, and they just don't get it. And what it is is because in the Republican Party, there's this big split between people who are actual conservatives and people who are nutjobs who've never actually read the Bible but just follow what somebody else has told them is in there. And so it's it's um, – and I'm such a delightful and, and blushing flower that I never say anything about <laughs> this stuff to those idiots. Um but yeah, it, that's exactly what it is. And it, it, you know, for the Republicans to not get that is astounding. For it to have been such a contentious issue in the last legislature to the point that people were allowed to attack the GLBT community in horrendous ways on the record and not be called out for it. The one time anyone was called out was when Ellie Hill um, confronted... Oh, what's his nuts? The stupid pastor. Why can't I think of his name? Because he's an idiot and I don't remember his name. Um, She confronted him about uh, uh, what he thinks should happen to homosexuals. And he said they should be put to death. In testimony. In testimony. You know, and, and that's the thing. That's the thing that these people don't get. It's not that they have anything christ-like about them at all they are evil people they just want someone to hate and they're picking a group that in most cases can't fight back on its own and it is my hope that when i go home that we can have this law passed i hope so too and 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 is that coming up this week is that what's it monday in senate judish i the way i believe because you know you hear the do people say scuttlebutt anymore Mm -hmm. the scuttlebutt yes there shouldn't be – I think there will be a lot of discussion, but I don't think there will be a problem nope. getting it through the Senate. I remember his name, Harris Himes. <laughs> through the Senate Judiciary and the Senate itself. Um, I hope so. And it then the, ha- the, the House, the house the GOP, the my it, people. It made it through the, the Senate last year, and then it yeah. got to the House and it died in committee. So it honestly um, – well, I'm gonna, I'm, I, I guess I'll, I'll speak on it. All times, and then you know, house, house, judish. Um, well, and we have to get Kearns involved, and and Creighton was a uh, a big supporter of the the way they wanted to do it last year, so that's why it died. I think. Um, I think. Hopefully, he's evolved. I'm. I'm. I'm branding it because sometimes you have to speak to folks in terms they can understand. Mm-hmm. I'm branding it what it is, small government, constitutional, um, individual rights kind of stuff, which it is. Um, I'm, I'm just cho- choosing what I'm going to say on this. But no, it's, it's, it's something that it was the easiest bill for me to carry. It was, it was one of those ones you look at. There's a lot of stuff that comes before us every single day. I have a tough time on some bills, you know. You have to first figure out what they're trying to do. They're intricate. I'm on. I'm on tax. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's minutia stuff all the time, and then there's oh, that's in the code. That's wrong. Both sides should agree that. Okay, let's delete that. Right. Um, and what I think might happen is I think the only way people might oppose this bill is by, and I hate to say it, making up things that they think that the current law applies to because they can't attack it 
on face value because there's no ground. Well, um, and that's, that's you know what, what I mean. Do. That's what they've done. That's what they do, and and they will do that. And but what it takes is dedicated, smart people yeah. like you that are willing to stand up and go, no, that's wrong. And, and you know, I'm not alone in the house GOP with these feelings because well, you know some of us, right? And some but of the you, newbies, it, and and that's different from years past. And so hopefully this year it'll get done. I mean, it wouldn't have taken it wouldn't have taken, and I hate the word defection, but it wouldn't have taken more than ten or fifteen votes yeah. to get it passed last time. It wasn't that far under, but what it amounted to is that there was a level of fear and anger and angst that was going on in the legislature that didn't let that happen because it was so contentious and so bad. Hopefully we don't get to that point this session. No, I, I honestly, I don't think any folks who are, who try to argue against it, if, if they argue on the facts and reality and policy, there's no, there, there's no ground that they can find a grasp on. Um, Unless they're like that individual that you talked about, but I don't think that happens. Uh, well, I, well, he'll be back. He's been prowling around the Capitol, and you'll get to see him. I mean, I know it's going to come up with this with this issue. You will see him there, and you'll see Jeff yeah. Lasloffy will be there as well. And I'm sure that Derek Skies is going to rear his ugly and head. And w- what I want to say to some of these folks, because they might be you know doing research and listening in, I want to say, you're going to look through my votes this session, and there's going to be a lot that these folks are going to like, because I, I am, at the end of the day, of Republicans, so they're going to see... Oh, fiscal this and that. And then there's going to be these votes. And I want that. It's easy for them to dismiss the Democrat votes because Democrat, Democrat, I'm not Democrat. But when you see a Republican me making these votes, you're like, oh, good vote, good vote, good vote. And then you see this. I want you to think, now, am I wrong? Or is it part of a conservative constitutional framework that maybe they don't understand because of older beliefs that they're holding on to? Well, you've got to remember that requires them to be self-aware. And they're just angry. They're not self-aware. Well, I think you, I think, I think you're there's being far too nice and giving far too much credit. I'm to trying. <laughs> I'm trying to save the party from itself. So, I guess that's one way to put it. We'll have and to have you back on the show for another discussion of the yeah. Party anyway, so um, <laughs> and to end on a really bright note, I'll just do a five second thing. Cool. Um, yeah, be sure to follow on Twitter. It's been really fun the last week or so. We've had a good group of people. Some people of Twitter fame have come and spoken before my committees. Um, so it's nice to finally see them. Uh, Tom Glover, Jamie Greer. Um, and, you know, follow Zolnikov. He is a year older than me. He's from Billings. He's a hoot. Um, Miller. I mean, so we, we, we're, we're building a presence. And honestly, we, we kind of... Uh, let loose a little bit more and be more realistic. You know what I'm wondering? Have you talked to legislative services? Have they put your Twitter handles and Facebook pages on your profiles yet? No. Can they do that? Why couldn't they? It's oh, just okay. data. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think... would think that that would be something that should actually be brought to the floor because it's a, fu- it's a better way for us to get communication out of the legislature in real time on what's going on. And we can communicate back. And it helps us. I was on the, I, I got out of my afternoon committee or morning, one of the com- morning committee, early. And I was on the floor working, mm-hmm. working on bills. I pull up Twitter, is blowing up from another committee. And uh, I won't talk about the issue because we don't have time. But um, another committee on another contentious issue. And I went down and I saw these swarms of people on the TVs. And I'm like, ah, 
tax is pretty dull today. And then <laughs> at least I know what's going on because my constituents expect me to know every bill through every committee, right. even though there's only one at a time that I can go to. So, right. yeah, let's let, we need to we need to push. So push you can talk to thing. legislative services yeah. about making that happen. They should have a Twitter directory that's easy for us to click into and follow. That'd yeah. be, it's super easy for them to do if they don't there have, are lists have them too. call me. Bozeman Chronicle has one, I think. Uh, right, but it'd be better if legislative services had it in their right. profiles. Um, the other thing is legislative services could be putting up tweets from the legislatures, legislators because they could follow it and put that as a public list that they could see as well. Page, right? Yes, that would be nice. Um, those sorts of things would be awesome. I think that would be, you know, part of, the, part of using social networking is, is a way to communicate faster and better and cleaner and let everybody be involved. I think that's great. So, Nick, thank you for being on the show. Let's give everybody some basic information on where they can can follow you on Twitter. You are um, Schwad number four HD one four. Schwad for HD fourteen. Yeah, and Schwad is S C H W A D. Yep. Okay. And then you do have a Facebook page. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yep. And if you're looking for the show notes, you can just go to politicticboom.com forward slash Nick Schwatterer, and you should see it right on the page. Um, you can also follow along in iTunes. There will be a link there. So you can subscribe to the podcast and listen to it right away. And thank you for being on the show. It was awesome, and I can't wait to have you back. Yeah, thanks. It's an absolute hoot. And um, I look forward to listening to the future shows as well. So cool. Thanks. Have a good one, everyone.